0: We've been in this, this, uh, this series that we've titled Believe the Hype, and it's been an awesome series. I've been learning much from these different messages as we've been studying the scripture, saying, okay, when the church was birthed, right, when Jesus died and rose and ascended into heaven, what happened? Right, there was a lot of hype, right, a lot of buzz, a lot of momentum, a lot of chattering, and, and, and Jesus and, and his people were trending, right, in, in, in society. And what happened? And that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at different things in the Bible as to what, what happened after that and how can we maybe get back to that, right, and learn from some of the basics and, and apply old truths in new ways uh, today, here today. And so we, 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 we've been talking about Believe the Hype about prayer because the disciples devoted themselves to prayer when, when Jesus ascended. They said, man, we don't know what to do uh, other than just get together and pray. And, and that's a word for somebody here. You might be in a season right now, come on. You might be in a season right now where you don't know what to do next. But, but what you do know is that you're called to pray and that, that's what you're called to do next is to start devoting time to prayer and see what comes out of that, right? And then we learned that the disciples got together and prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about the, how the Holy Spirit uh, empowers us with dynamite power, dunamis power. He empowers us to not just stand still but empowers us to action, empowers us to walk. That's based off of our church name, right, That, that we're set free to walk in him. So the Holy Spirit activates our faith. We start walking out our faith. And we saw that the disciples began to walk out their faith. They began to preach the gospel. They began to start seeing people set free and saved. And that's where I want us to pick it up today as we enter into the second part of the book of Acts, the second chapter. Now that the disciples are starting to get some momentum Let's see how they lived their life. Uh, Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through uh, 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. Um, If you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat from this word of God this morning. It says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and their belongings Distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Man, is that not a convicting verse right there? My goodness. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I wanna just stay there for just a minute. Let me highlight those two words right there generous hearts. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. What I see here is that generosity is starting to break through in the local church. That the disciples were were saved by their relationship and faith with Jesus. They they got their instruction in the prayer meeting as to what to do next. They were empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to meet together and, and be generous toward each other. Be generous to all types of people. Their hearts were described as Generous, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Generosity leads to favor with people. Generosity leads to people praising God, amen? Right, they, they got generous and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Generosity led to people getting saved. And I wanna preach a message to you today that I'm titling Believe the Hype about generosity. Right, and I'm not digging for this message. I'm just reading the book and saying, okay, what, what type of things were, surrounded the church? There was a lot of hype around being generous. And there's a lot of facets of generosity, right? Generosity, that you could, you could be generous with your time, You could be generous with your possessions. You could be generous with your resources. But today, I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper. I just felt like being a little bit radical, right? I just wanted to touch on an area that may make us all squirm a little bit, that may make us all just get a little bit excited or nervous or elbow the person next to you, or maybe just say, oh no, why do we come to church on this day? Come on, I wanna, the first message, the first title is Believe the Hype About Generosity. If I were to have a second title, it would be this. Trust God with your money. Trust God with your money, all right? Let's pray and close. <laughs> come on, right there. This is, you know, and, and, and just really quick, let me just throw a quick disclaimer. I, don't, I know I don't have to, I'm just gonna do it. Um, I have more people come up to me and say, hey, would you preach more about the subject of money than people say, hey man, you preach too much about money, right? If, if, our church is about three and a half years old as far as meeting on Sunday gatherings. I could probably count on one hand how many times I've preached on this subject. So just in case you're here today and you're like, oh, man, this, I told you, church always talks about money, right? Oftentimes I'm, people are like, man, come on, can, we, can you hit this subject because it's a real one? And not only that, it's a biblical one, right? And, and Jesus says out of the overflow of our heart, right, he says that it, you, your treasure is where your heart is, right? He talks about these areas all over the place, and we see that the church got generous and it led to something. When the church got generous, it led to more people praising God, it meant meant more favor with God, right? That's just what we're seeing in Acts 2, and it led to more people coming to know God. So I don't know about you, but this is a message I wanna hear. I, I, I need to hear about what it looks like to believe the hype about generosity, and even more so, what does it mean for me to trust God with my money because that's what I want to do. Let me talk about this word generous. This word generous is all over the Bible, by the way. You could just maybe do a Bible search of the word generous. You'll see it pop up in the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Uh, it, it's a, I'm not gonna try to fool myself into knowing that Greek word. You can just go ahead and sound it out in your head, say it fast, and it'll sound right. You can tell all right? Uh, it means ready or free to impart. Right, the, the Greek lexicon on this word generous means, it means you're ready and you're free to impart. It means you're ready to give it away. Right? Ready to distribute was the part B definition. Now there's usually two definitions. One was ready to impart, free to impart. The second one was, was ready to distribute. When, you, when we talk about being generous, that's the question you have to ask. Because your definition of generous may be different than the Bible's. Take the Bible's. Right? Let the Bible go ahead and give you the actual definition of generous generous right and the, the definition that says is that you're ready to distribute not only ready I love this word right here that you're free sometimes I've heard this illustration before uh, from Pastor Vance at Hope Church just going like this everybody just do this with me really quick right that we're not called to cling to our stuff but we're called to live loosely free and ready to give it away right that that our stuff doesn't own us we own our stuff right actually let me go behind that God do, God owns our stuff and that if we would just be open to being generous, free to give, free to distribute, ready to impart, that we might see God do something. Rick Warren, he's a pastor of a church in South, uh, Southern California, and he said it like this. He said, generosity is love in action. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving, right? You can give stuff away and still be absent of love in your heart, but you can't love without letting something go. You can't love without actually giving something of yourself, without being generous. We see that modeled best in in Jesus, don't we? Maybe you know this verse. If not, I wanna teach it to you. It's found in the book of John, chapter three, verse 16. It says, so God so loved the world, or you can put your name in there, in that blank, God so loved Haydn, right? God so loved John. God so loved Mark, right? God so loved Nina. Right? God so loved summer. Right? We can go ahead and put our name in there. God so loved you that he, do you all know the next word? That he gave. If you really want to see a picture of love, look at a picture of giving. Found and modeled best by God himself. As he gave not only from his money, his wallet, he gave his Son so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. So I wanna talk about believe the hype about generosity and trusting God with your money in this message. And hopefully some of it will make sense and it might motivate us to be a little more generous as a church. The first point that I wanna give you here this morning is this, the blessing of God follows generosity. As I was studying for this message, I was overwhelmed at all the scriptures that convinced me that God's blessing follows a generous people. And I don't know what your theology is here today, but I just know it's biblical to believe that God's blessing follows generosity. And blessing doesn't always look like materialistic blessing. The word blessing in its original Hebrew definition means to be happy, right? So happiness follows the generous. Today, maybe you're thinking, man, how come I'm not really that happy in life? Ask yourself, how how generous are you? Because blessing follows those who are generous. I wanna prove it to you. Acts chapter 20, as we scroll ahead into Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul is now planting churches. He's discipling people. And here's what he teaches the people in Acts 20. He says, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. So that should be a siren. Everybody, y'all hear it? Jesus is about to speak. Let's remember his words. How he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Come on, repeat this after me. Ready? One, two, three. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus is saying, it's blessed to be generous. It's more blessed to be generous than it is to receive. It's the reality, right? Now, this hasn't always been true for me, especially when, when we're younger, right? When we're children, it's hard to fully embrace this mentality that's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Like I'm just thinking of, 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 of our little boys, Nina, just our, our two little guys, right? Um, our son Epaph, right, he, he might not be playing with a toy for six months, but once his little brother picks it up, all of a sudden he's like, that's mine, give it to me, right? Doesn't necessarily understand the dynamic yet that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I once thought like that, but once I grew older, I realized, man, I find more blessing when I give a good gift than I receive a good gift. That I get more excited when I let go of a good gift than when I get a good gift. And here's why I just mentioned that really quick. Because today, if you're thinking, man, you know, this verse doesn't really make sense to me. It just means that you're childish in your thinking and not in a good way. It means you gotta learn to grow up. You gotta learn to start giving. You gotta learn to start being generous and trusting God with something as deep as your money. The book of Proverbs affirms this reality. Proverbs chapter 29, verse nine, 22, verse nine, says a generous person will be blessed. Simple enough, right? A generous person will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. A generous person will be blessed for he shares I'm challenged by these verses right here, church family. I'm wondering, can can, can I consider myself a Proverbs 22, nine type of believer? We'll see another verse in Deuteronomy if we go back to the old covenant. In the Old Testament, right, we see these same principles to be true. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work and in everything that you put your hand to. I thought I was gonna hear some more amens to that, right? This reality, this promise that when we respond to God and get generous, that blessing follows. Think about it like this. Do you want God to bless your work? Do you want God to bless what you put your hand to? Or maybe maybe you're sensing, why is he not? This could be the answer. Am I being generous? Because the promise tells us That when we do give generously, without a grudging heart, come on, peep that, right? You could give all the stuff in the world, but not have your heart follow it, and you can miss the point. Without a grudging heart, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work. Everybody say, all your work. work. Man, I want to see God bless all my work. I want to see God bless everything I touch, everything I put my hand to. I want to see the Lord's blessing on it, the Lord's anointing on it the Lord's favor on it, you'll see it when you start getting generous is what I see and read in his word. Proverbs 11, verse 24, we see the same principles come alive. In the ESV translation, it says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Again, let's apply these same principles. Are you going throughout life suffering want? God, I want this. I'm suffering, Lord. I'm suffering, God. I'm not getting what I want, God. I thought I was going to have it by now, God. I'm suffering, God. Here's what God's saying. Are you being generous? He first tells us that if we give freely, we'll grow all the richer. Now, rich, by definition, may not be what you're thinking. I'm not thinking about bank account only right here. I'm thinking maybe our spiritual bank account might grow richer. Our personal joy might grow richer. Our personal satisfaction in life might grow richer. Some of the most loneliest, depressed people have full bank accounts, but their personal life is bankrupt, right? Some of the most happiest people don't have anything in their bank account, but they're rich when it comes to joy. And what he's telling us here is this. If you start giving freely, not with a grudging heart, you'll grow all the richer, You might grow in your friendships. You might grow in your relationships. You might grow in your company. You might grow in your stature. You might grow in all these different components. You might grow in your worship for the Lord if you start being generous. Or you can withhold what you should give. And we could spend a lot of time on that should give. And what will happen is the result will be you'll go through life wondering, how come I'm always wanting Well, it was a trickle-down effect from being generous in the first place. Let's go to the next verse, Proverbs 11, verse 25. I like the NIV here. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I love the will be statements because it doesn't say you might be refreshed. It doesn't say you could be refreshed. He says if you start being a refreshing Christian, you'll start being refreshed too. Sometimes, can I just be transparent, church? Sometimes I start thinking about this because sometimes people say, man, how come no one ever refreshes me? How come nobody ever calls me? How come nobody ever invites me? I sometimes want to ask, did you ever call somebody too? Have you first been a refresher? A generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. Does anybody like being around takers? I'm just saying, do you like being around refreshers? Come on, somebody, help me out, talk with me here, right? Or is that just me? I I, I do. I like being around refreshers, right? Somebody refresh me, right? And I want to be refreshing to you. There's principles to God's economy. There's principles to living generous. Maybe today you're like, man, how come I'm not prospering in life? Let me ask you, are you being generous? Here's why I'm asking these questions. Because the promises of God's word are found in these principles. A generous, come on, y'all say it with me. A generous person will prosper. These are simple tools that might help us in our walk with Jesus to help us prosper in life, to help us receive blessing and refreshing in life. That they're just in the text. And God's teaching me this more and more on what it looks like to be a generous believer. To go through life holding my things and my stuff and even my money loosely by trusting God with it. This past week, I was invited to be a part of a prayer meeting in Brooklyn, New York. So I flew out there, I was just there for two days attending an awesome church called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And while I was there, I attended their Tuesday night prayer meeting, I flew in that afternoon. And I always try to have some cash on me when I'm in the airport, so I had a $120 bill. And I went throughout the airport. Some of you are like, man, that's, that's, that's weak, bro. <laughs> Hey, don't, don't be hating, all right? I had one $20 bill on me. Praise the Lord. I just kind of made it through the airport. I didn't have to spend it. I actually forgot that it was in my pocket, right? And so I'm at this church, at this prayer meeting. It's packed. It's this amazing prayer gathering. And they wanted to have a demonstration of generosity whenever they meet. And so they had a time of generosity in their prayer meeting, which I was like, okay, this is neat. And I saw the basket starting to get passed. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But this isn't really my church. I'm just kind of here learning. So like, you know, I don't really got to give nothing. You know and I'm kind of thinking that mentality, and I felt like the Lord just kind of nudged me, kind of like sat down next to me, He's like, "Hey, man, you know you got that twenty in your pocket?" I was like, "And, <laughs> talking to God right there, I see the basket slowly making his way to my row, and he goes, "You going to be generous, or are you just going to preach on a Sunday?" He's going to just kind you know these verses, and I'm thinking... Oh, man, like, this is my airport money, God. Like, you know, like, I try to live that principle. I got this 120. What if I get invited afterwards? You know, I want to have some money. You know, to, I'm hanging out with these other pastor guys. I don't want to, like, not. you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and the basket's getting close. So I'm like, pull that 20 out. Hey, guys, drop it in there, pass it by. And you know what? Sometimes your heart just needs to catch up, Right? Because we sang another couple songs and, and kind of midway through that next song, I was like, man, I'm so glad I gave. I'm so glad I brought something to the house. I'm so glad I didn't withhold right there. I don't know where that $20 is gonna go. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I don't know if it's gonna, what, what it's gonna impact, but it impacted me. It set me free to know that I trusted God in that moment and he was pleased with it, right? And I just wanna encourage you today to trust him with whatever it is that you do. I thought it was profound that the, the, the session ended, and there was a couple of brothers standing there, and they said, hey, hey, Hayden, um, we just met you. We know that there's this place down the street. They're supposed to have the best cheesecake in the world. Can I buy yours? I was like, yes, you can. Absolutely, you can. I will receive this blessing the next day. We had this awesome prayer meeting. Pastor Jim Cimbala encouraged us, taught us the word. And somebody after that said, hey, Hayden, man, it's been cool connecting you with you. I've been seeing your social media. Can I take you to lunch right now? Come on. Absolutely. Let's do it, right? <laughs> the Lord knows what he's doing. If you refresh, you'll be refreshed. If you start being generous, you, God will start being generous. You, look, he's already generous. You got you to find it in your heart. And in your mentality, and your passion, and in your capacity to start trusting him with your money. Because the blessing of God follows those who are generous. Mark it. Remind yourself. Talk to, teach that to yourself. Let me give you the second point of this message. We could have stayed uh, much more in that and swam in those sections. But I want to give you the second point. The glory of God follows generosity. The glory of God follows generosity. What's at stake when we talk about being generous? God's glory's at stake. Will you choose to worship him with your giving or will you worship something else? I mean, Jesus goes ahead and just pulls his arrow out and just shoots it right at this mentality that we can worship something else, right? Or we can glorify something else. We see it in Matthew chapter six. I wanna show you this verse. Jesus in his sermon on the mount, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, maybe you would be like, okay, what's Jesus talking about right here? Is this like subliminal, this master language? And then he reveals it. He says, you can't serve both God and money. He he says, you can serve God with your money, but you can't serve both. Some of us, we like to play double Dutch, right? We're like, I wanna serve God, but I wanna keep my money. I wanna serve God, but this is my money. Serve God. It's my money. And I really think at some point God just like lets the jump rope go. And like we're still doing that, but we notice we're just by ourselves. No one to play with. And God's saying, Why, why don't you serve me with your money? Why don't you glorify me by trusting me with your money? This principle has been on display throughout the Bible uh, for many years, the Old Testament, absolutely. I wanna show you this section of scripture out of the Old Testament book, Malachi, or as the Italians call it, Malachi, uh, (laughs) chapter three, verse eight through 12. It's the last book in the Old Testament, and the prophet Malachi says it like this. He says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you, God? (laughs) In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Here's the instruction from the Lord. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if it will not open the heavens. Friends, listen, there's only one place. I've searched the scriptures. There's only one place in the Bible where God says, test them. You know where it's at? When it comes to generosity, he says, You can test me all you want, you'll never outgive me. If you start trusting God with your tithes and your offerings and your contributions, God says, I'll open the heavens. What does that mean? He says, The windows of heaven will open. Does that just sound awesome? Like, what, what could really motivate God to open a heavenly window in your life? Trusting Him with your, your money? It says, I'll open up heaven for you and I'll pour down for you a a blessing until there is no more need. Anybody wanna claim it? No more need? I like that. He goes, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. Come on, isn't that a good word? I don't know about y'all, but sometimes that, that devourer sneaks up, right? You might get paid on Friday. You might check your bank account Friday night and the devourer just came in, right? <laughs> just, just devoured all that up. And you're like, how? What? It hasn't even been a full 24 hours. The whole thing just got devoured. God says, yeah, I know. I'll rebuke the devourer. Some of y'all don't even know. How did it even happen? What just happened? It's got, my whole thing just got devoured. Didn't even have an opportunity. It got devoured. God says, yeah, I'll, I'll rebuke the devourer. Kind of like the, 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 the mysterious sock thief, amen? Does anybody have that? Like you just somehow end up with one sock? You're like, how, where could the other one have gone? Like, just doesn't make sense. Some of y'all are like, man, where did my money go? Just, I had it, it got devoured. God says, I know, because you, you're not trusting me. You're trusting a whole lot of other things. God says, I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your bank account and your wine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed. Blessing follows generosity. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. This this principle of, of tithing is something that I didn't catch until later in my uh, Christian walk. It, it took me about five years to understand what tithing actually was. I heard people always say, all right, now we're going to give our tithes and offerings. I always thought they were the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're tithes and offerings. An offering is anything you give over and above your tithe. Your tithe is taking the first 10% of what the Lord has given you and given you a gift to steward for the time he's given you and saying, all right, I'm going to take that first 10% and give it to my local church to my local storehouse, the local place that I receive the word of God, the local place that I go to worship. I'm gonna take that first 10 off and I'm gonna give that back to God and trust him with it. And when I was studying this text, I asked God this question. I said, God, what does it mean to rob you? You have everything. How can we rob you? And God said, you rob me of my glory. That's why generosity leads to God's glory, because when we fail to be generous, we rob God of his glory. There's something special. Church, look at me, there's something special. When you say, okay, I'm gonna take the the first 10% of the income that God's given me. If it was $100, I'm gonna take 10 of it, right? If it's $1,000, I'm gonna take 100 of it. I'm gonna give that back to the Lord's work. There's something about when you do that that you just glorify God. That, that, that communicates faith, amen? That communicates trust, right? That communicates, all right, God, I get it. I'm a generous believer. That communicates, Lord, I don't know necessarily where the other 10% is gonna come, but I'm gonna glorify you and trust you anyway. Tithing is a demonstration of our faith in God. For those who say, you know what, I'm not sure about tithing, then you're not sure about your faith. And you're definitely not sure about your generosity because this is the one place where God says, test me in it, right? And so maybe I don't really know what I should tithe. Get to know it. Start with that 10% principle. I once heard this testimony about trusting the Lord specifically when it comes to tithing. It comes from a pastor in North Carolina named J.D. Greer. And he was sharing this story once about how a a college student came to him in a meeting and said, hey, Pastor JD, I know that God calls me to tithe. I see it in the Bible. I've heard you preach on it. I know I'm supposed to, but I'm a broke college student. If I start giving 10% of what I'm making, I don't know if I'm gonna make it through the week. And JD said, okay, well, how about you go to your bank, take out your tithe, bring it back to me. I'll put it right here in this drawer. And then if you don't make it through the week, I'll just give it back to you. And so the young man said, all right, sounds like a good deal. So he went to the ATM machine. He took out what he was supposed to tithe. He came and gave it to Pastor JD, and JD threw it back at him. And he said, man, you trust man more than God. What does that look like in our lives? If we said, you know what, I'm going to trust God even more than I trust man because I want to glorify him with everything I have. And, and, and maybe today you would say, well, Show me where tithing is in the New Testament. I know all these arguments because I used to argue for them. (laughs) I know I'm arguing with myself, right? The the, the truth is, church, the reality is we live by grace. We don't live by the law. The the letter kills, right? But, but, But grace sets us free by his spirit. We're not under the law of tithing. We're not. So if you're not tithing here, there's grace for you. There's freedom for you. There's forgiveness for you. There's forgiveness for all sin at the cross, amen? We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what's already done in Jesus, right? So we take hold of the gospel. This is, this, is, this is not something that we're gonna add to the gospel. This is because we're saved, we're more generous. I think tithing's the starting point for believers. But maybe today, if you're like, well, where is that in the New Testament? Show me where that's at. Let me just go ahead and show you a moment. In Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus, he's rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes. And he's saying, man, you guys are hypocritical. But there's a statement that says something here that I want us to, to take a look at. Jesus says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees? Hypocrites, says Jesus. He says, you guys are so fake. You're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now watch this. You should tithe. Yes. Did y'all catch that? Right, I don't want to devalue anything else in the verse, but I do want to just go ahead and highlight this word from Jesus. Where Jesus, Jesus affirms one thing in his whole rebuke toward the Pharisees. He says, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You guys are hypocritical. You guys are not, you're not you missed it in all these areas. But he goes... But you do tithe and you should. Don't stop that. If Jesus affirmed it, that should be good enough for us. That's good enough for me. When I noticed that Jesus said, You actually you do you do that well. Yes. But do not neglect the more important things. Absolutely, church family, we better be pumped up about justice. We better be excited about mercy. We better get passionate about our faith. Let's go. We we need to be hungry for these things. These are the more important things. You know why Jesus said that? Because he thought we got tithing. That's the low-level stuff. Jesus was like, tithing, that's elementary. He expected us to have that one down already, to trust him with our 10th. I think that if we were to do that, we would find the blessing, grace, and richness that follows these principles that we're talking about here today. Some would argue that the New Testament doesn't call us to give 10%, calls us to give 100%, and to ask God what that looks like. I learned this in Rick Warren's story. He's a pastor, again, of Saddleback Church in California. He said him and his wife started at 10%, and then they began to grow from there to 11% the next year to 12% the following year, to 13% the following year, to 18% after a few years, right? And he said he wrote a book that God used, The Purpose Driven Life, and he just said, I wanna get more generous, more generous, more generous, till today, 30 years later, he does the opposite, right? He lives off 10%, he gives to the church 90%. And he says, there's not a, a, a more joyful action that he and his wife could do. A couple quotes that I would just give you as some encouragement from Randy Alcorn. He wrote a really good book called The Treasure Principle. Our staff is reading through it right now. It's a good book. It says, tithing isn't the ceiling of giving. It's the floor. It's not the finish line of giving. It's the starting blocks. Tithes can launch us into the mindset, skills, and habits of grace giving. Of Grace giving. Right? Even my wife and I, we've discussed these things in our, our lives, right? We said, we're gonna, we're gonna start with 10.5%. Hey, it, it, we're moving the needle at least forward, amen? Right? We're, we like to go to 11 and then go to 12, right? But we're not going backwards, that's already done. We're gonna trust God at the standard that He set in the old, and we're gonna keep moving up forward from there. Another quote from Alcorn that I thought was dynamic He says, once we understood that we're giving away God's money to do God's work, we discovered a peace and joy we never had back when we thought it was our money. And that's why we use those phrases like, man, it's not, it's not a burden to give. It's a gift to give. That it's joyful to say, I want to be a generous giver. I don't ever want to just be a taker. For years of my Christianity, right? Just stay with me. It's okay. Let there be light. Y'all saw that? For, for, for years of my, my Christianity, I was what you would call a taker. Like I would come to church. I would take the sermon. I would take the worship. I would take the free, not coffee because I'm not a coffee drinker, but whatever it else was, right? If there was a free snack, I would take that. We'd take the kids' ministry. And we'd never give nothing. Now I realized, man, I want to be a giving Christian. I want to be a taking Christian. Because it's more blessed to give remember the words of Jesus, and to receive. And now we have a real relationship. There's not, it's not really a real relationship if there's only one party that's ever giving, right? And there's another party that's only taking. That's, that's what you call a bad relationship. What if we got our relationship right? We said, God, you've given me so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start at that 10% mark and give to you. We're running out of time here, but I want to just lead us into the last and final point. Um, And that's that salvation follows generosity. So the first point that we saw was the blessing of God follows generosity. That's on display. The second point is the glory of God follows generosity, right? We don't rob God of his glory. We give God his due glory. The third point is that salvation follows generosity. Here's what I mean by that. We don't give to get saved no not at all I think when we get saved and start giving more people will get saved that's what I'm talking about it shows that in the in the book of Acts that they got generous and God started adding God started multiplying I think that when we get really generous God's going to start adding more more people are going to start to say man what is that that you have and how can I get it and where can I find it don't you want some of those conversations to fall in your lap So you can talk about Jesus and point people to to Christ? Think about it. We live in one of the fastest growing cities in America. Did y'all know that? Las Vegas is back in that top 10 list. It's creeping up in the top five. You can't drive anywhere without seeing construction, right? All over the place. Houses being built, apartments, complexes going up, right? We got some football stadium going up. No cheers for that. Wow. Come on, man. Thought y'all would get excited at least for that one, right? We got to... We got a professional team coming, right? We got all types, we got the best hockey team, come on, right? We got all types of activity happening in our city. So there's people moving all around to this city. What's it gonna look like to see a revival hit our city and see more people get fired up, pumped up, excited about God again? Here's what it's gonna look like. It's gonna look like me and you getting generous and not being greedy and not being prideful and not... Gripping and clenching everything, but just being generous. That opens up divine appointments. Why'd you just do that? Why'd you, why'd you give me that? Why'd you open that door? I'm not preaching from theory this morning, like this is maybe just a good idea, let's try it. No, this is something that I've lived. Friends, this is something that we've lived. When we first decided to launch Walk Church, I called all these different real estate agencies, I was prayer driving call a number, hey, you guys got an open space. We'd like like to launch our church. We're so excited. It's going to be awesome. And all these people on the phone would turn us down. And one day I said, how come you won't work with us? How come no realtors won't work with us? And here's what they said, man, because churches are bad to work with. They don't pay on time, right? They always are trying to take, take, take. They always want a free handout. So one, one said, a church is more like a parasite than a partner. I said, Lord, forgive us. I'm sorry, bro. But what if we started fresh? We started today and said, we're going to redeem that reputation. We're called to be generous. So when we came to this school, I remember sitting down with the principal here, and she hadn't had great experience with church. So she was already very hesitant and nervous. She said, "Churches has become a burden. And I said, well, here's my word to you. I give you my word that we're going to be a blessing and not a burden, and we've honored that word. We got a golf clap over here. Come on, G. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm with you, and we've honored that commitment in this house, in this school, and we've seen God do miracles here in Scope in this short three years. All types of miracles happening all around this school to, to where we're starting to really see some movement in the students' lives, in the, in the faculty and administration life, just by being generous, not trying to force it, just trying to be generous. And God responds and moves when we do it, amen? I wanna give you one last picture, and then we're done, of a, of a story of a man in the Bible who understood this message that I'm talking about, began to live out the principles, and was glad that he did it. Let me show it to you in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, verses one through 10. The text says that, he entered Jericho, he that's Jesus, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, at this point in Jesus' stage of ministry, he didn't just pass through, amen, right? He, he traveled with a whole flock of people, right? Everybody wanted to touch him, everybody wanted to see him. This is, the, this is the last, you know, few days of his life, right? And so he's passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Everybody say, what's up, Zach?" What's up, Zach? Now, tell me about Zach. He was a chief tax collector. That means he was a bad dude, not in a good way. He was a gangster. He was stealing all types of money, and he was fraudulent. And he was the chief of all those other people. Does that make sense? And he was rich. So he had lots of money. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Man, God, would you give us more people like that? I wanna pray for more people to just start seeking to see who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Who is this guy? Who is this God man? Who is this Jesus? And here's what he does. He says, on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. He was a short man. Or maybe you were, grew up in a kids ministry that said he's a wee little guy, right? <laughs> maybe you know that song. Uh, that's Zacchaeus. He's not that tall. So what does he do? Does he give up and go home? I think that this is powerful right here. He ran and climbed a tree. He ran up ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Man, I want to see more people get so fired up and so passionate and so hungry to see Jesus that they do whatever it takes to go see him. Amen? Whatever it takes. Do you know how dishonorable it would have been for this guy to do that? How embarrassing. How weird for this short little man who's this cheap tax collector. They walk around in their robes and everybody needs to move out of the way when they come into the building. And here's the Zacchaeus. They're like, dude, you climbing the tree right now? Like branches are following on people and twigs hitting somebody. And what are you doing, Zacchaeus? He goes, I gotta see Jesus. God, give me that type of faith to where I gotta see him. I gotta see Jesus. He goes and looks at Jesus. Now what happens next is stunning. Is, is stunning. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he, here's what he said. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Does that not bless you? That Jesus looks up at the Zacchaeuses of the world and says, come on, I wanna stay with you. Talk about radical, ordinary hospitality. That Jesus would see a cheap tax collector and say, I wanna stay the night with you, bro. I wanna to come to your house. I want to sit at your dinner table. Some people say that Sunday is uh, the most segregated day of the week. And you know what? That's not true. Monday night at 5 p.m. is at our dinner tables where we don't invite people over that are not like us. But what if we did? What if we start to say, you know what? That, that's a chief tax collector. But he wants to know about Jesus. I'm, I'm inviting him over. Jesus goes and spends time with Zacchaeus and starts to minister to this dude and speak to him. And then there's these people, right, that get all upset. They're grumbling on the outside. He has gone into the guest of a man who's a sinner, right? Haters gonna hate, amen? There's always some haters. There's always some people that just can't stand when God's working in people's lives. Don't be like that. Be generous. Those people should have said, can I come too? but they're throwing shade. And Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, here's what he said. Now notice what he says and we're done. He said, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost we get an x-ray vision into the heart of God in this story. So you look at Zacchaeus' life, we see the Lord at work. And it wasn't because Zacchaeus got generous that he got saved. He got saved because he spent time with Jesus. And because he spent time with Jesus, he started to trust him with his money. What could have compelled this chief tax collector to give away half of his goods. What could have compelled Zacchaeus to give away a fourth, fourfold of anybody he defrauded? Could you imagine the testimony? He starts going to the people he defrauded. Hey, you know, I defrauded you a lot of money. I'm gonna give you four times that much. What? Yeah, what happened? I met Jesus. Today... If you would say you met Jesus and you didn't become more generous, i question if you've ever met Jesus. You should too. You should question, have I really met him? Or have I met a facade of Jesus? Have I met a counterfeit Christ? Because when we get encountered with the Lord Jesus, the real Jesus, we can't help but to be generous. That's why I always say my wife and I, we get to tithe to this church that I wouldn't want to even try to do anything with that 10%. That belongs to God. And we needed needed to make sure that there was some helpers in place to make sure that we never even missed it. So we just went online and set up a reoccurring deal so that right when when I get paid, it's already coming out. I get an email, it's like, I was like, wow, that happened fast. But I'm glad it did because I didn't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And it's not because I have to friend, it's because we get to. And we'll see more Zacchaeuses come to know the Lord if we start getting generous with everything we have, everything we do, everything we say, everything we think. Let's trust them with our money. Amen. Let's pray.